Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, another round of The Side Hustle, trying to keep you entertained and stave off boredom from shelter in place since last week. Uh, my name's Jimmy, here with uh, Angela Melchiori, and uh, we've got Brian Trujillo here from, uh, I, you're in Colorado. I would try to say what town that it says here on the app, but where are you exactly, Brian? I'm in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Okay, so it looks like it says El Hebel. El Hebel. Yeah. That almost sounds like a DeBarge song right there. That's a crazy name for a town. Yeah, we're about uh, 40 minutes from Aspen, and Algebel is about halfway between. Better known as Basalt. It's kind of like Basalt and Algebel right next to each other. Gotcha. So speaking of Aspen, before we dig into the meat and potatoes of what you do and how this has affected your work, uh, been hearing stories about how Aspen's been pretty hard hit by all of this. Can you speak to that at all since you're right down the road? Well, I mean, I haven't been up to Aspen recently. I've been kind of staying put, but um, from what we've heard, there was uh, a group from Australia visiting, and they seemed to be, you know, they, they didn't know they had it, and they were out skiing and going out, enjoying the nightlife, and partaking in everything Aspen has to offer, and then once they found out they had and got the word out, and people started testing, they found out it had spread quite a bit from from that group of people um and you know and then kind of just i think the story goes the same in a lot of these places then it just it gets easily spread and um but they've been doing a pretty good strict shelter in place order from early on and from what i've heard it's it is starting to flatten there and throughout colorado so um we're still quite a ways out from being in the clear but it is the we are starting to see the curve flatten in this area which is great well that's good news it's it's just crazy though it just goes to show you that such a small community like that that it doesn't take much i mean one group of people and just in close quarters there just you know everything kind of packed into one little resort town and all the restaurants and all the bars there that it doesn't take much to turn into a, a pretty dire situation right there but it's good to hear that things are starting to turn the other way uh I was in uh, Copper uh, second week of February, and right at, we had an event, and right after we all left, there was a story that came out about a guy that traveled from Europe, and he flew to DIA, rented a car, drove up to Copper, and he skied at Copper and Breckenridge, and he was around a bunch of people and felt sick that weekend and then tested positive, and then they had a bunch of cases up in that area, and it was literally probably about a week, week and a half after we had gotten out of there from winter due to her, so it's, uh, it's, just, it's kind of wild hearing all these different stories. Um, yeah, I was I was at that event as well. Um and it, you know, we had a lot of workers for loadout getting sick and actually missing work from being sick. So in retrospect, you know, it's making me think I wonder if they had it, you know. So I don't know. Same. There was some people on our crew that were kind of feeling under the weather and I mean not to play devil's advocate here, but definitely some of the symptoms that are indicative of this situation. And it makes you think back and wonder like, Hey, was this maybe there a little bit sooner? And did they maybe get affected by that as well? So diving into the event side of things. So you said you were at winter due tour. So let's talk a little bit about your role and what you do when it comes to events. Yeah. So uh, my company, big mountain events, we're, you know, our bread and butter is the operations and logistics of events. Um, so mainly behind the scenes, behind the cameras, <clears throat> the more you don't see us and the more you don't know about us when you're at these events is the the better our job is. Um, 
so we're in early when we first take over a venue and and really oversee and facilitate the whole build out of the venue which at times is is months and months of lead up work to get to that point and then um as we get closer to the production the production team rolls in we kind of take a back seat and 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 manage it from um, really a troubleshooting standpoint and hoping every everything's going smooth everyone's doing their jobs things are things are working um, we're there to troubleshoot when they're not and then at the back end of it we tear it all down and get the facility back you know and and our goal is to return it better than we received it um, back to the owners of the property so how did you guys fare at that event? We had quite a bit of snowfall there at winter. I mean, that's probably the second most snowfall I've ever personally had to deal with at any winter event. I mean, that was that was a rough couple of days there. How how did that affect you guys overall? How did you power through that wet mess? <laughs> we we dug deep. Um, it was yeah, unintended. Rough one. That was. I mean, I know we had about three feet of snow in a forty-eight hour period, and probably about between five and six feet over the duration we were there uh but yeah it was like literally that's what it was it was digging deep and and really just powering through it and uh you know we did have to change the schedule quite a bit and uh it was it was really just all hands on deck and shovel shoveling tents off and decks off and um doing all the safety things we needed to do from that ski patrol was requiring as far as marking cables and uh, marking any hazards in the area that like literally fences were getting buried and structures and scaffold like you you could be skiing and what you thought was powder and hit hit a structure just because it was completely under um under snow so mitigating risks as much as we could and um and helping the the competitions department you know do it prioritize what we could to get the competitions off and running but yep. nothing nothing too fancy about it other than you know just just digging deep and and getting out there and shoveling and doing what had to be done it was pretty wild to see everybody from all walks of different departments out there shoveling i mean i saw everything from operations people to the different people that staff the vendor booth to even some of the tv production guys like some of the camera guys were out there and some of the people that roll all that cable up were out there shoveling away the first day that we clipped everything and they were like go take some runs uh i went up and took a couple of runs and just coming up the backside of one of those lift lines i could see people were out there with these makeshift poles and trying to basically just brush all that heavy heavy snow off the tops of the tents there over in the uh in the festival village and i, I it was amazing to me that some of those structures didn't collapse from the sheer weight of all that snow that blew me away yeah we uh we were fortunate we didn't have a lot of them did stay but but we did have um the athlete ten up at slope style collapsed and we had some other ones compromised that we had to go in and fix but um really it was just one that got you know majorly damaged which and it's for heavy as that snow was too you know we were pretty fortunate there yeah it was a heavy wet snow it was for this time of year more you know more more wet than usual i thought yeah, same. I've I've never, I'd never experienced anything like that at a winter event before. That was it was just, it just it stuck to everything. It was insane. I mean, from the TV side of things, you show up at these events and everything's already set up, and you know you're 
last in first out kind of thing. So to come in there and see all that and see everybody still working and whatnot. And like we had snow that was coming into the, the one stage that was the TV studio. It was like, you'd have the tent or the sidewalls down to keep the heat in. But then when they would film, we'd have to flip that thing up. And it was literally like, we'd be filming a segment and it was literally snowing sideways and coming into the studio and like over our shoulders and onto the desk. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was gnarly. It definitely made for some interesting TV. And then it's just one of those things where we were all sitting around one night having a couple of beers and talking about like what a nightmare it was going to be for everybody trying to dig all that stuff out and try to get all the cables out for all the audio and all the video and everything else. Yeah, man. I, and, you know, really got to hand it to the, the TV utility cable guys. They, they, I think had the worst of it because their cables had to be, you know, far off in the trees and out of where the grooming was being done and where machines and cats get to, to support. And, and the, the few guys they had that were, powering through it they were up to their literally to their chest and their neck waiting through snow to get to their cables um yeah they (laughs) they had the worst of it for sure yeah they definitely had their work cut out for them we actually had to do a couple of events uh without any video feed just because there was it was impossible i mean they just buried in snow and everything got wet and the connections were bad so there were a couple of events where we were just kind of flying blind there it was uh it was it was i mean for everything to go off the way that it did and to make that event happen after all that snow i mean it was it was truly remarkable to watch all those different departments and all those different entities come together and good spirits about it and nobody complained it was just like yeah what are you gonna do show's gotta go on like it was really cool to see yeah i agree and um you know testament to, to like you say all the all the different groups and vendors and you know and all of us that are out there that have been doing this together for years and years on different events and um it it was a it was a big team effort of a bunch of pros that pulled it off yeah you didn't see anybody kind of pull that well that's not my job or that's not on my company's Mm -hmm. list of things to do everyone just kind of like okay here's this pile of stuff and it's all a giant shit sandwich so we're all going to take a bite so let's just go get it done and we can all have beers at the end of the night yep i agree and i think you know that's that's one of the big things that keeps us in this business is that type of camaraderie that we have with each other yeah that's actually kind of a good segue into my next thought here was like one of the reasons that uh Ange wanted to do this whole thing was like we all work for different companies a lot of us just independent contractors and we'll work for different companies of the different events that we do all across the board but it's really it's it's this camaraderie it's like you go to these events and it doesn't matter what shirt you're wearing or whose hat you're wearing like you just get to these events and it's almost like to me it's like family it's like you see these faces that you haven't seen and you know, maybe six weeks, maybe two months. And it's just like, you kind of pick up where you left off at the last event, no matter what it was, whether it was, you know, a tough mutter or some action sports or a running event, whatever. And it's just, it's this cool, just camaraderie thing that we have where it's like, all right, we're at this next event. We're all in this together. Let's roll the sleeves up. Let's get dirty. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And you know, that is a big reason that I say in this business, you know, there's, there's definitely plenty of the the times where you're on the other side where it's, you're grinding and it's rough and there's times you're alone in the business and, and, and you have the, the downside of it, but it's, that's the upside that keeps you going. And it's that you're event family and, and uh, you know, and when you get back together and you're in the field and working together and that's, that's the love for it. 
yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's this weird thing that I have where this, the whole just being absolutely filthy, but you're down in the trenches and no matter how bad it sucks at times, like you're getting it done and you're all together for the Sometimes I'll come home and I'll be at my local bar at a barbecue or something. I'll be telling stories and people are like, why in the hell did you do this then? And I'm like, you know what? I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, the stories that you get out of it and just the, you know, sometimes it sucks in the moment, but I don't know. There's just something to me, but looking back on it when you're cracking a beer and you're sitting around a hotel bar with everybody and you're telling war stories about past events, like, I don't, it's awesome. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, you know, and the other thing um, is there's never two days the same. There's never two events the same. Um, every day is a new challenge and, and uh, you know, and the things that you find yourself caught up in are pretty pretty hilarious at times and they're like how you know how did this, <laughs> how did i get myself here you know and uh but that's what that's what's neat about it is uh it, it never gets old never gets boring so speaking of some of the things you get caught up in what's one of the craziest things that you've ever had happen of memory be it bad good funny that you can think back on your timeline of events and be like oh man how, how did i get into that or how did i get out of that huh yeah that's it's hard to pick one it is it really is um well i guess i'll start with a bad and then we'll go to a good, one <laughs> <a> good but <laughs> um shoot there's there's a few top ones on my list here um i'm gonna say one of the ones that kind of that hurt the most and still does hurt is uh we uh we're doing an event in italy northern italy called red bull wide open um it was it was a really going to be a revolutionary type event um that was going to incorporate downhillers uh free riders and four cross athletes and we were going to build a 10 meter wide course down the mountain um this place was called Lavino, italy um the mountain was called Modellino, and you know it was you know this was with h5 events todd barber was kind of the brainchild of it he brought me in to run the operations um, like I said, it was probably for him three years in the works. He brought me in about a year and a half into it. Um, we had already started the course build. Um, we got about 85% done. You know, we had the whole crew out there. Um, builders had been on site for about two months. Um, athletes were about five days out from flying out and basically the government, it would, be like the forest service i forget what they were called but it was the analogy of the forest service for us went out there and started measure with their measuring tapes and started measuring our course and uh before we knew it they started putting up signs saying that you know you can't be here you have to leave came and told us that we had to leave like we had to drop our shovels turn off our machines and get out of the construction zone they made us fence off this whole area you know to mark a, the construction zone and they said if we didn't leave we were gonna get arrested oh. so we were like what the hell you know so we we did what they said and um kind of found out like so there was a another ski resort mountain across the the valley there and apparently the two owners didn't like each other and it went back to 100 years of family history of them not liking each other and trying to sabotage each other and they each had 
in you know within their village the village was kind of split they each had their own followers where half the village was on one side and the other half was on the other side well the other resort you know his people were out there watching us and we had seen people out there with their binoculars keeping an eye on us and seeing what we were doing well the police chief apparently had to call the forest service to come investigate us based on as many complaints he was getting from the village which was all the followers from the competing mountain well they came and measured the course and basically found in one area where there was a natural hot springs in the mountain we went around the hot spring so it wouldn't be part of the course and by doing that we went about 10 feet outside of our surveyed area which you know i mean it was it was an act of congress to go to get this survey done but then they never even flagged it for us it was just a line on a map well, they said we were outside of our surveyed area right there. And they so they shut us down for that. Um, you know, as it ended up just it was a big political move move on their part. And uh so ba- so at that point, you know, we were we were under the gun to get the course done. They said athletes were on their way out in five days. We were eighty five percent out the course. Um we were on such a tight timeline that this was like on a Thursday or something. If we knew if by that following Monday, we didn't get approved to go back to work, we weren't gonna be able to get the job done. We were gonna have to cancel the event. Well, and that ended up staying in litigation for two years. Um, they did let us go get our shovels and tools and equipment out of there, but that stayed a construction zone where we couldn't access it for two years. Um, it was Red Bull Italy, Italy stayed in litigation with, with them over it. So, you know, it it was just, it hurt really. It was, it was a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get to that point. It was a super awesome event. Um, it was really going to be, you know, revolutionary in the, in the mountain biking scene. Um, and it was just take, taken away from us basically. Um, and it was big bureaucracy in Italy and, and, you know, and we had throughout the process, we had been getting, obstacles in front of us the whole way and it was just like we'd knock one down and the new one would come up and knock one down new one come up so when this happened we're like okay we're gonna get through this you know this is just the next big obstacle to get through but um in the end it it shut us down and then um to this day that course stayed 85 percent complete and has we haven't been back so that that goes on my my biggest one of my biggest oh shit moments (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy yeah if you it's still you could you could uh youtube uh red bull wide open there's still a trailer on for the event pretty cool give you an idea what it is what about you Ange? oh tell us a war story oh um you've got some uh yeah i mean ah I, well, in kind of, it, it is one of the getting like so far down the line of an event and then just having the, the rug pulled from underneath you is, it just hurts, <laughs> especially getting that close. I can't even imagine. Uh, I, God, it's so hard when I'm on the spot. I think one of my big oh shit moments was probably, I mean, the event went off, but it was just again, just riddled with a ton of obstacles. So all I could think of is San Francisco and Icer Air. Um, so first year of Icer Air was 
putting snow on Fillmore Street in San Francisco, one of the big hills here, and doing some snowboarding and uh, skiing freestyle off of this hill in San Francisco, which was a pretty cool experience because it was probably like 90 degrees in San Francisco, which was ridiculously rare. And then having snow on Fillmore Street in San Francisco on a super hot day and watching skiers and snowboarders huck themselves off of a cable car kind of ramp that we put together last minute and then just, you know, launch some tricks for, for, for no point of doing it other than just to say like, we did it. Like we put snow in San Francisco and did something fun. So that was the first year and it was really fun and it was good. And then, um, they decided to take it into the stadium at AT&T Park. Um, it was kind of like supposed to be an Aaron Style type event, which Aaron Style was pretty popular in Europe. I think Germany just kind of had the big Aaron Style events. And so the idea was to have like the first North American version of it. And just that that whole event was one thing after the other, like the build, the ramp, the, the snow didn't work, nothing worked. I mean, it just nothing worked and so it was five days of working 24 hours to get a ramp together snow on it everything and then just getting so close to the event and then having some issues with the ramp I'm not getting into details but issues with the ramp the like the safety part of it whatever and having the athletes go we're not gonna jump that thing like what the hell's wrong with you and so like getting to the point where literally like there's crowd, everybody's waiting and then having that where like, I mean, tickets have been sold, concessions are going, everything's on, full on in the moment. And then literally having the main event threatened to be like gone. Um, and all I just, I mean, I just remember like, I kind of really wanted to faint on the spot like I was like what if I just like pass out right here now and just be done with it and then I just don't have to deal with this like that was kind of my first thought it was like how do I like I don't even know what to do anymore like yeah I was just just like all right um yeah I, I don't I don't even know so like we did some quick repairs and um like this show kind of went on but it was definitely not up to the standards like we had and we had somebody get hurt pretty bad and I, to this day, I still like, I feel like, um, failure there somewhat. Um, so it really, it just really gets me that event. Um, and, uh, God, I mean, I was just, I was so wrecked after the event though, like physically, like I remember I couldn't walk at some point, like I hadn't slept in days. I mean, in one point, like even slept in a cardboard box at the stadium. I mean, that's how like, <laughs> That's how low that amount was. <laughs> I remember, like, I even fell asleep uh, driving a golf cart, like, late one night with some supplies. And I, I fell asleep driving the golf cart, and I crashed it into the stadium. So, like, I'm sure there's a video out there on YouTube of, like, you know, when idiots <laughs> do stupid things. Like, I'm definitely on that because literally just driving a golf cart straight into a brick wall. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just remember, like, I, I, literally, I crawled like home I I couldn't walk at some point I just I crawled and I was like god what what like what is wrong with me I'm like and I just remember like my mom saw me crawling and she's like you what are you doing she's like this is your job this isn't a job she's like 
She's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> She's like, you're literally an idiot right now. And so I, I, that was one of my worst events for sure. That that nothing tops the amount of crap and oh shit I said at that event. That's still one of my ugh, worst. <laughs> That's one of my ugh. <laughs> that could be the title of this podcast. Could be ugh. <laughs> ugh moments in event production. <laughs> One of mine that stands out, and this isn't so much as a nightmare as it more was just sort of a, a funny, like, what the hell else can happen in one day kind of a thing. Uh, when I still lived in Reno, this is 2012. Uh, it was like late March, early, it might have been early April. There was, I think MSI called me up or they had some sort of like, I don't even know what the event was. It was a ski thing, but they were bombing down this top of this mountain at Heavenly. And it wasn't a part of the resort that's normally open. Uh, and they needed some some mountain ops help. So I was like, all right, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm not doing anything. So I made the trek down there and we were staying in these crazy like dorms. So it was almost like military style with these weird like bunk bed situations that we were in. And it was like community showers and all that. And the weather wasn't horrible. It was actually pretty nice. But uh, the day of the actual event, um, we were kind of high up the mountain where we had like the announcer's uh, tables and all that and like all the sponsor booths and whatnot and then I got tasked I was told to go up to the top of the ridge and they wanted me to sit up in the tree line and in case anybody came down the mountain and they lost the ski my job was to snowboard down and grab the loose ski and then come down to the bottom of the hill and then drop it off so I got given this half-assed sense of direction on how to get up there and I'd not I'd not ridden this resort very much so it took me like an hour and a half to get up there for starters and then I finally got up there and I'm sitting there and I'm watching all this go down and I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't snowboard down this. <laughs> like, this was way <laughs> out of my skill level. Like, I mean, this thing was steep and there were all these rocky outcrags and whatnot. So I'm sitting there the entire time watching this event and thinking, man, I hope nobody loses a shoe because there's no way in hell that I'm going to be able to ride down this thing and go grab that ski. So I'm just sitting there <laughs> this entire time, listening to all this on the radio and thinking like, okay, the, you know, what are you going to do if you have to go down and go get somebody's ski? So it was a perfect bluebird day. It was super warm out. So sat there the entire time and then nothing happened. I never had to go get anybody's ski. So I crawl back out <laughs> on the main area and then like find a safe way to get down. And we're tearing everything down. So I hear at the village that the wind had kicked up and they had this ski jump that went into an airbag. And the airbag was only tethered down with one line. And the wind had picked this thing up and it had blown it across the entire area at the base of the village. And it ended up wrapping around a chairlift and got tangled up with a with a kid and his mom that were going up the chairlift so one of our guys had to go and like stab the airbag it looked like something out of a slasher film to deflate this thing so this poor family doesn't get suffocated by this thing so <laughs> we're all having a good laugh about that and then as the night wears on we're tearing everything down and they're bringing the snow cat up and they're hauling all this stuff down so it's me and two other guys and we're we're the last group up there so we're just dismantling the stage Everybody else goes down and the cat goes down and makes its last run. And then these guys all take their batteries off their radios and turn them back in. And they're all hanging out at the lodge at the after party. And they forgot about us. They left three of us up on the hill. So now the sun's gone down and we're like, hey, no one's coming to get us. So we literally dug a hole and we threw all this leftover cardboard and trash in it. And we found a can of gas and we literally started a fire. And Sierra Nevada was one of the sponsors. And I found a 12-pack buried in the snow. So we're literally sitting there huddled around this trash fire. <laughs> drinking these Sierra Nevadas and finally at like 11 o'clock somebody realized like oh shit where are those guys and they sent the snowcat out to come get us 
and they finally rescued us. It was like, what? it was funny for a while. And then after, at one point, you're like soaking wet because you've been sweating all day because it was warm. And like now all your inner layers completely soaked from the sweat and it's cold and you're starting to get super cold. I'm like, all right, at what point do we just call this and start walking down this mountain? Uh, and then they came and got us. And then to add insult to injury, uh, dumbass me didn't ever put any sunblock on. So after it was all said and done and I went home, I had the worst sunburn ever. And I had a full beard going at the time, so I couldn't shave. So then when my uh-huh. skin started drying out and peeling, it looked like I had shaved coconut all over my face. <laughs> and I ended up paying for that one for like the next few weeks. And I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> it was like, note to self, drink plenty of water when you're at high elevation and wear sunblock. Yeah, but good call on whoever buried the beer in the snow. So... I was just like, you know what? I wonder if Sierra Nevada left anything laying around. So I started digging around like a dog trying to find a bone in the backyard. And they're all laughing at me. I'm like, who's laughing now? Because I just found a 12-pack. Yeah, that's a nice silver lining there. <laughs> yeah, it was – It was. we looked like a couple of hobos, man. We were just huddled around this thing, just throwing anything we could in this fire. Like, it was getting cold. <laughs> and then we saw that snow cat, and it was like – I felt like Tom Hanks and Castaway when the boat pulled up behind him on the raft. I was like, we're rescued! nice good old msi yeah as you were telling that that remind me uh just real quick an msi story um i was working honda ski tour with them it was actually my first time ever working with them in uh in squaw and that's when the inflatable the inflatable arch that was over the course the generator went out for it as one of the riders was coming down the skier cross course and um, didn't see it in time to stop and ran into it. So it wasn't that fun. I mean, it was actually a horrible accident, but it was. I was going to say, you get tangled up in it? One of those oh shit moments. And the generator, I mean, it, it had gas and everything. It was just mechanical malfunction. It just went out and he nailed it. I mean, just flying, <laughs> mocking down the hill, broke his jaw. Oh my <laughs> gosh, really? Yeah, it was bad. Wow. So after that, we didn't have any more inflatables over race courses <laughs> i can't even begin to tell you how many times i've seen those red bull ones go down because the generator went off or there was a hole in it or somebody didn't tether it down properly and it tips over yeah yeah <laughs> well, we had there was we had in fort lauderdale at grc we were doing load in and uh, across the street from the venue was just beach and it was a pretty busy weekend and one of the bouncy house inflatables from a kid's birthday party at the beach got airborne and flew into the middle of a race like track venue and all i remember is like everybody just swore this giant huge bouncy house and like everybody just swarming all the ops guys like everybody had knives out like slashing the thing because it they thought like there was a kid because somebody started shouting that they thought they saw like a kid in there um so like at this, yeah, like, the bouncy house there's a child yeah, in there. there's a child stuck in the bouncy house that just flew across like it would have flew across what like maybe like five lanes of traffic and into like another parking lot so it actually like traveled a pretty good distance before landing into the venue but yeah i just remember everybody rushing out these knives and i was like it was just massive you know like kind of that initial chaos because everybody's trying to think they're gonna you know obviously like you know, rescue a child or something. But all I remember was like, there was no kid in there, thankfully. And that thing was just like in shreds. That bouncy house was like in 25 pieces after that. 
after it landed. But yeah, those things are, it's amazing how many just get airborne so quick. Yeah, those things are dangerous. I mean, think about all of the stuff at any event that you have to tether down that is a flight risk if the wind kicks up. I mean, everything from easy ups to those arches to those bounce out, I mean, anything. And just, <laughs> it's amazing to me, all the events that I go to, like some of the things that you have to do in order to anchor stuff down to make sure that it won't go anywhere. And if you're not familiar with that world and you see it sometimes, you're like, oh, well, that's overkill until you see like a microburst pop up or some sort of crazy storm come out of nowhere and you see something that you think, oh, there's no way in hell. And you're like, oh, well, that moved. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the Murphy's Law of having events, as, as we know, like, anything that can go wrong will go wrong at an event and especially with weather you know that's a a big saying we have is if if you want you know some crazy weather just have an event because i don't know how many times we have an event and and after that we hear oh that's the most rain we've had here in 100 years (laughs) yeah yeah good point just schedule an event and you'll you'll cause some kind of natural disasters one way or the other. Haven't had a hundred year flood in your area in a while? Schedule an event. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Angela might have been at this one. Um, Grey Outdoor Games in Orlando and Hurricane Dennis. Oh yeah, that's right. I was there. Oh yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that was another big oh shit moment. I was the venue manager for the ATV course at that time, which was kind of down in the swamp. And it got flooded with, I mean, probably five feet underwater and all the scaffold structures fell down. And I mean, and we actually pulled the event off five days later, you know, like 10 suck pumps later and draining everything out. And a lot of the event got canceled, but I think about half of the programming we were able to save, but that was a, that was a brutal one. Yeah. I just remember like everything was just, it was a swamp. And it was literally no one wanted to go in the swamp and retrieve anything because literally there was like alligators and snakes just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We had a resident alligator with us the whole time. Yeah. So Adam Cole, um, a scaffold vendor who was building a takeoff ramp that kind of went in, a, in one of the ponds, he had to go get scuba certified to do it, part of the Disney rules. And there was an al- a resident alligator there, so he came up with a system with one of his guys that stood on the platform that was above water, like above him, that, you know, while he was underwater. And they had a tap system, so depending on how many times he tapped would tell him how far away the alligator was. <laughs> and so if it was like three taps, he knew he was 20 feet away. You know, if it was two taps, he was 10 feet away, whatever. But he knew if he just started banging it like crazy, that means he, he better shoot right up because... It was like imminent danger <laughs> and they work like this for you know a week probably oh yeah i do. yeah i remember and that i mean i just yeah i remember it was like that it was just like there was no visibility too like that was part of the problem too it was just that water was so murky and disgusting so it was just yeah. so hard for you to see anything in there oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That might actually take the cake out of all the event stories I've heard. None have included an alligator. I think you win. <laughs> there is no need to record any more podcasts, Angela. Ryan has won. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, re- he's at the top of the leaderboard. You get a pair of alligator skin boots, a surprise. Yeah. Right on. That that goes that reward goes to Adam Cole. He was he was the crazy guy down there doing it. 
And I remember Puck, good old Puck, he was oh, so worried. Man. He was so worried for Adam. And he kept telling me, you got to talk to Adam, Brian. Like, he's just not safe down there. And worried about how long he was underwater and worried about the alligator. And it was just keeping him up at night. And good old Puck, you know, he just was his whole, his whole, uh, everything, his whole care of that whole event was wrapped around Adam's safety. Oh, that's, that's a good memory. Puck is definitely a good memory in the event world. Anybody that worked and knows Puck has, that's, uh, that was a good guy to know. And like, again, like to your point, like one of the, one of the reasons why we go back and work events is because of guys like Puck and many others that you work alongside. But yeah, Puck was biggest lumberjack I ever met, but like definitely the biggest teddy bear too. Yeah, he sure was. For sure. For sure. I'm going to drink the rest of this breakfast beer for Puck. All right. Cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers to Puck. Well, Ange, any more stories? Uh, no, I'm out for today. That was good. Good reminiscing. I know. That was a fun little trip down memory lane. And I stand by my statement that you win because never heard anybody tell an event story that involved an alligator. <laughs> All right. And those things are freaking terrifying. <laughs> cool. Well, well, awesome. well, thanks for joining us today. This has been a fun little trip down memory lane and glad to hear things are turning around up there in Colorado. Yeah. Hopefully, thank you guys. Uh, we'll to do this again for real in person and we can all sit around a hotel bar and tell stories in person and the whiskey's on me. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, thank you guys for doing this and archiving some of our memories. He'll be, be good to sit back and listen to when we're all old and retired and Give our kids something to remin, you know, to learn about our past. <laughs> yeah, totally. We were technically cool kids at some point. Like we definitely have like cool kids stories, but no one thinks we're cool. <laughs> so like this will be proof that we were actually yeah. cool kids. So <laughs> yeah, I think we've we've crossed over that line. Uh, <laughs> we're on the other side of it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. At the very least, we were sweaty, grimy kids with a shitload of zip ties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, the fact we're here still is we're keeping the dream alive and hopefully, you know, passing it on to the next good generation. You know, that's a hell of a point is like the next generation. Uh, and this goes sidebar a little bit. Um, my stepson, I got him a job with uh, California Skate Parks two years ago. And he had turned, he was 19, maybe he's 20. He was 20. And uh, I got him on and he'd gotten in some trouble uh his last year or two of high school so he wasn't driving and they took him in and they did me a solid as a favor and they let him stay at their warehouse out in san bernardino and he went on and he was doing course builds and stuff for those guys and he went to do tour and he went to x games and whatnot but it was just funny it was like the younger generation and i was like man you're gonna have to earn this like i know you've seen events growing up you know from my side like this is you're gonna have to get out there and get dirty dude they're not gonna give you any leeway because of who you are related to me i told them anything to treat you worse and he was like, ha ha. I'm like, oh, you think I'm joking now? And they put him through the ringer, man. And they made him work. And he actually, I, I was wondering how that was going to go down. But he actually, he put the effort in and he, and he paid his dues. And they actually, he was, he was quite a good worker for those guys for the season. And it was because I thought he'd get out there and just half-ass it, you know, and just be on his phone all the time. And I told him, I was like, hey, there's three keys to this. Like, be on time, pull your weight, and don't talk back to those dudes and you'll be fine. Yeah, I think, you know, and that's, that's the thing with this industry is it gets a lot of people – in into it on the wow factor and how cool you hear you know you hear and see the cool things but um 
it's a grind and and to new people coming into the industry it you know you you got to earn your keep and it's it's not all gravy it's uh it's a grind it's it's a lot of ups and a lot of downs and only the strong survive and stay with it that needs to be an event t-shirt right there <laughs> operation only the strong survive yeah <laughs> yeah it's or like true. the original survivor we were like survivor before the television show basically i mean think yeah. about how many times somebody new comes into the mix whether it's a friend of a friend or someone like you just said brian that sees this and they think oh it's glamorous and it's travel and you get to all these go to all these kick-ass events and don't realize that you're going to be standing outside at two in the morning getting pissed on and with rain and doing god knows what uh but people that come in and like you know they see this kind of like camaraderie going on and like maybe some of the inside jokes and they kind of like try to jump in they get a little too comfortable too soon and then they kind of burn out or they kind of alienate themselves and it's you know there's a lot of that sometimes when you see somebody that comes in and they make it through an event or two or sometimes somebody that doesn't even last an entire event and they just can't hack it and they tap out or they get they get sent home yeah i see it all the time every event pretty much <laughs> well Ange. well i think uh I think we're good. Thanks, Brian. That was uh, good. And Brian, so it's bigmountaineventscom is where we find you. And we're dot team. net. We're big mountain. Oh, sorry. Dot, dot net. Uh, the Switzerland company beat me to dot com. Uh, Although when I started the business, that company wasn't there, but I took about a year to register a domain name for it. <laughs> and I did. The Switzerland company had it. So, so we're bigmountaineventscom um, we also have bmerents.net, um, which is a sister company for renting equipment. Um, our big asset there is Crowd Control Barricade, but we have a lot of other supplies as well. And um, and then with Big Mountain Events, we've we've through the you know trying to keep up with the times and and kind of expand our own services. We have two other trade names under it it's, it's bme rent or sorry bme designs and bme logistics so with bme logistics it's just you know we do a lot of hauling transport um any type of services surrounding transport and hauling and then with bme designs it's really working with um like sponsor build outs activations um, we're actually building a bike trail in Algebel this summer that falls under BME Designs. So um, doing some new things there with that. And we're in the process of actually updating our website and all these these new services we're providing. So stay tuned. Um, hopefully my business partner Andres is, has been working on that now in this downtime. So new website with a lot of new info should be coming out soon. Oh, great. No, that's cool. Um, so Brian, I know a lot of like we're all in the same boat here. A lot of your events got pushed to, to the fall time. What uh, what's on your plate in fall? What's on the schedule? Where can uh, where can folks find BME out there in uh, hopefully the fall? Um, so what we have coming up in the fall? Well, we have the Go GoPro Mountain Games, which is late August in Vail, and then we have Napa Bottle Rock in Napa in um, early September. We have Shaky Knees in Atlanta in September. Um, we have Dew Tour Long Beach in September. We have Marzocchi Proving Grounds, although I don't think it's going to be Marzocchi anymore, but Proving Grounds, which is going to be a qualifier for Rampage in later September. 
that's a few of them. We have others that are still in the works on trying to confirm, but um, mm -hmm. we're going to be busy September, October. As hopefully everybody is in, in the industry. Yeah, seriously. Hopefully, yeah. September will, will, uh, will all be heads buried down and and grinding and hustling. Hopefully, so fingers crossed. So. Yep, that's so. right. All right. Well, thanks again, Brian. Appreciate it, Jimmy. Thank you as always for steering hey. the ship. You know, and... I got nothing else to do but build furniture in the garage. So it's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And make uh, beer biscuits. Man, these things were good. Beer biscuits. You, we want the recipe. I say so. I'll, I'll email it to you guys. All right. I'll send it to you here. We get off the phone. Cool. All right. And then it's, I could uh, have my beer for puck. It takes twenty-five minutes total, and I'll even send the gravy recipe. Perfect. Ooh, bonus. Sweet. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us. <laughs>